Ahmed Dufir and Mason Viner. Ahmed, you're live from the Music City, been at both of the bowl practices. What have you been seeing from the Terps? Yeah, it's been um it's been good to see been good to get down here. Um obviously you got a chance to go um I believe it was Endsworth High School on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, a lot, a lot of the same. I think the, the biggest things was kind of, um, kind of the new additions. Obviously, you know, seeing Lloyd Irvin practicing. Um, Neo Avery was able to make the trip, but you know, he wasn't working out in pads or anything like that. He was working off on the sides. Um, you know, saw Kiari James with GM Mercy um, Felici uh, watching and watching practice as well. But uh, in terms of all in the field, you know, starting O line looked very much the same. Kyle Long replacing Amelia Moran. Uh, was really the only main change there. Um, Andre Roy hasn't been practicing, so uh, Marcus Dumerville was stepping in at right tackle uh, through the reps I saw through the open portion. Um, so, um, and again, you know, just uh, got a chance to see, I think, obviously, Neil O'Donnell, former Terp, uh, was down there at Wednesday. So um, that was good to see. And then on Thursday, uh, not a huge, huge Thunder report. Um, you know, I made a premium note for subscribers on a transfer that was set to join the team uh, yesterday. But, um, you know, free free tidbit, MJ Moore started taking his first reps of practice yesterday. So um, that was good to see. But, um, yeah, practice number two is in the books. And next time they put the pads on will be the bowl game. Yeah, and it will be a um, couple of longtime Terps uh, in their final practice. Jayshon Jones, obviously, uh, will play his final game with Maryland. It looks like uh, him and uh, you know Bo Braid opting back in with Maryland after looking like he would opt out. Terps overall with a uh, you know, strong set of players that have contributed throughout the season, not too many opt-outs on Maryland's end. Yeah, I mean, I see you know Jaquan Shepard. I think he was another guy that was kind of – you know, wasn't sure if he was going to play, but I know Loxley said uh, last week, last Tuesday, that he was going to play, and he was working uh, there at cornerback. You know, Lionel Whitaker, Perry Fisher, they were both working there. Um, it was pretty cool to see him Wednesday, and it's not the first time we've seen it, but, you know, that the, right at the end of uh, one-on-ones before they went into 11-on-11, uh, 11 11, uh, Glenn Miller laid a nice big hit on uh, Ty Felton, and both sides were kind of tripping a little bit and kind of got him fired up going into uh, bowl prep. Wednesday's practice, the, the weather was great yesterday. It was a little bit chilly, but, yes, yeah, so, I mean, again, you know, I noted it on the site, but it seems like a lot of the guys, you know, D linemen, you saw Jordan Phillips, Tommy Kimbisote, Tyze Johnson. So it seems like, you know, availability wise, uh, Merrill should be in a good spot. Um, handful of guys that have been inactive. So noted that on the site uh, for subscribers there. Yeah. And let's talk about the opponent, the Auburn Tigers. Obviously, a big chance for the Turfs to pick up an SEC win. Auburn, really up and down season, kind of similar to. You know, a Mike Loxley trajectory, close games against both Georgia and obviously the heartbreaker on the Plains against uh, Alabama. Also losses to New Mexico State and a handful of others that just had uh, Auburn shaking their head this season. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, I think the New Mexico State loss uh, the following week going into the, the Alabama game and, you know, the fourth and 31, the, the, the famous touchdown pass at this point from Jalen Milrow. Um, yeah, it feels like uh, very close to, um, you know, could have been a, a potential signature win or two for Hugh Freeze in year one there. But um, again, you know, it feels like this Auburn team, you know, just offensively um, really starts with kind of one player. And it seems like the, the defense has a lot of guys that, you know, could be playing on Sundays, but a few of them uh, opted out. Um, DJ James being one of the, or excuse me, DJ James should be playing. But um, again, you know, I think a couple of those guys should be able to, um, to, to, to kind of um, 
step in. Eugene Asante was a guy that Maryland targeted pretty hard out of the portal. He's kind of leading that defense there. So, um, yeah, DJ James, uh, uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, and uh, Marcus Harris, uh, all three of those D-linemen, uh, all opt-outs for Auburn. So both all three of those are, are pretty big. But uh, like you said, this this Auburn team uh, felt like it showed some promise uh, in year one in, in under Hugh Freeze. Yeah, and, and really the biggest story for Auburn, the quarterback Peyton Thorne and the offense really struggling at times to move the ball, one of the lower pass attempts per game team in the country. Obviously, the Terps will see a lot of uh, a running offense, a team that, you know, if Maryland is, is locked in, if they're ready to go, ultimately probably we'll see a low scoring game. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really expect um, this, this Auburn offense to really scare. I mean, I don't think Peyton Thorne really scares anybody. I did a, a Q and a with uh, one of the Auburn sites, War Bogle. Um, then he was like, Hey, you know, you know, be a little testy, have fun with it. So I said, cool. And pretty much explicitly said Peyton Thorne is no threat and scares nobody because I think that's kind of the case. You know, I think if you, you kind of look at Auburn, obviously it starts with Jarquez Hunter. And if it is going to be in the passing game of Raldo Fairweather, who another guy Maryland targeted pretty hard out of the portal, had to think on it, but I believe he was the only portal tight end that Maryland hosted uh, last offseason uh, before he took his special visit to Auburn and landed there. Um, so he, he's kind of the big one. But again, you know, he hasn't had any true breakout games. It just kind of feels like even with the outgoing departures for a very thin uh, Auburn wide receiver room now, um, Fairweather is kind of that that priority to watching the passing game. But again, uh, I think it, it all starts with kind of stopping uh, Auburn on the run. So um, again, you know, it kind of points back to Maryland, just their availability overall right now. Um, you, you, you kind of like their chances of being able to limit, you know, the big plays or the, the chunk plays essentially um, like they've shown, you know, going against, you know, Trayvon Henderson and, and Blake Corum um, and the Penn State running backs uh, through the season. Yeah, that, that will be the stories if Maryland can stop the run. Team stats uh, on the year for Auburn. Ahmed, you know, here's an offense that doesn't really scare anybody. 157.1 yards passing per game. That's 231st in the FBS this season. Uh, 198.4 yards on the ground per game for Auburn. All that ties into they actually averaged 27 points per game on the season, but it has not been pretty at times. 14 points against Cal early in the season. That kind of continued late where they only put up 10 against New Mexico State. And probably what was one of college football's uh, biggest upsets, the lowest funded program in the FBS goes to Auburn and wins the week before the Iron Bowl. But then again, seven point games against Ole Miss. Seven point, uh, you know, the loss to Alabama that they really should have won that game. The loss to Georgia. So a team, again, I draw a lot of comparisons. Really the only one that Maryland didn't have was the really awful loss at the end of the season. And both of these teams would have been seven and five, but a team that can compete with the big dogs, but ultimately you can see that they're a quarterback away, probably a couple of offensive linemen. You mentioned the receivers. There's just a lot of holes on this Auburn offense. Yeah. Again, I think, I think that's kind of why I feel pretty confident, but again, you know, I, I think that this has makings or potential of having just a really ugly offensive game. Um, yeah, I think, I think both sides, you know, you, I, probably have more confidence in Maryland's offense being able to exploit Auburn's defense than, than Auburn's offense exploiting Maryland's defense. But um, again, I think, you know, uh, if Maryland's able to limit Jarquez Hunter, who, which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, he, he's been able to, to make that big plays this year and really been the spark for them uh, for that offense. So um, I, I just think, again, Maryland's been able to show some things, uh, you know, from Ruben Hippolyte, obviously, you know, no Jay Sean Barham, which is a huge loss, but uh, get a chance to see some younger guys and kind of, Fill that, uh, fill that void there. Yeah, let's talk about the Terps. 
Uh, offensively, obviously, the big question will be the quarterback. Ahmed, what's your take so far on who will be uh, taking most of the snaps on yeah. Saturday? I think it's going to be Billy Edwards that's going to take that first snap. Obviously, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, had some some heard some good things on, on KMED yesterday at practice. So posted that again for subscribers. But I think I think predominantly, I mean, even when Talia, when he said it, he said after the Rutgers game um, that he was planning to play in the bowl game. And someone asked me privately and I said, even still, I expect Leah to maybe play a half and Billy and Cam to, to kind of split it up. I mean, Loxley's just routinely and consistently been so um, – just cons consistent really with the fact that the bowl game is a preview for the next season. So it was just kind of the perfect opportunity to do so. So I think it's going to definitely, you're going to see large doses of Billy Edwards and Cam Edge. Um, again, you know, I posted this on the site and I think Billy Edwards, you know, I think a lot of people look at him as a runner, but inside, whenever you talk to him, it seems there's just a lot of trust in Billy to make the right plays, to do the, like just to do the right things within the offense. Um, and then Cam, you know, I mean, he's, he's had, he's made his strides obviously, and this is going to really be his, first chance to show it on a larger scale. Um, there's a lot of confidence in him and the way he kind of grasps, he picks up things and kind of the way he carries himself off the field. It's kind of all the makings of potentially someone that can be successful at the college level. So I, I think, I think how they fare is going to be really interesting. You know, I think Billy Edwards, obviously you look at him and it, it opens up the run packages and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what he and Roman Hemby, how, if it, what, what they do change uh, in the backfield to kind of maybe, you know, uh, kind of capture their, both of their strengths a little bit, um, kind of maybe mitigate what the offensive line, uh, what, the, what they're kind of able to do and run blocking there. But um, again, I think both of those guys are going to be there. Um, whether we see Jaden Saray, Cam Ed, I'm not, not as confident, but again, won't rule it out. You know, you never, you never know over a 60 minute stretch, but I really think this is going to be a, a chance for both these young quarterbacks to just showcase what they got. Yeah. And on that, you know, you also will see two, fully healthy 100% quarterbacks. You know, Leah did get dinged up uh, as pretty much always as we've seen. He takes a lot of hits the way he plays the game. So you'll see two guys ready to go that haven't taken necessarily the beating over the last couple of months uh, that we've seen. Billy, I, I kind of, you know, echo your points on it. I think that we really haven't seen what, what he's got fully yet. He did win that game in Indiana last year when he came in when Leah was hurt. He then came back the next week at Northwestern. So a guy that, you know, it's not – Completely something new to him. Obviously, with Kevin Sumlin and Josh Gaddis, it is something more or less new other than, uh, I guess, the turtle push, if you want to call it that, that we've seen him put up some numbers on. I am really excited to see Cam Edge. Cam Edge is a player when he was at DeMatha and then he finished up at Smyrna and Delaware, which is a great football program uh, up that way. You know, he was on that kind of four-star cusp, but and COVID really kind of derailed right when he would have been really – I think, Ahmed, you know more about this than I do, but really when he would have been truly rated uh, as as a player, you know, he was kind of in that weird sense where there wasn't a lot of scouting, but DeMatha and Smyrna both kept playing football through that time. I I'm really excited to see kind of what he can do when the game is a game. He did show, you know, in the Towson game earlier this year, but I think he threw the ball maybe between somewhere between five and seven times in that game. So uh, I'm excited to see what he has in that situation and and ultimately kind of what some of these younger receivers can do, who we're going to start to see next year. You know, if you watch Maryland in the last two bowl games, you're going to see everybody in this game. Guys like, you know, Ryan Manning that have been practicing for a long time. What will we see from, you know, maybe Braden Wazowski and in, in some wide receiver situations or maybe out of the backfield, you know, some of those things we saw maybe for a handful of plays throughout the year, but th they're, they're next. And that's what Loxley really loves to do with these bowl games.
Yeah, and I think, you know, in the wide receiver room, you know, I think Shalik Knotts is probably the guy where I think they're going to give him a lot of targets, get, try and get him involved in the offense. Really, you know, Loxley talked, t- touched on it, I think it was last week, but really see what, what he can do. But it's felt like kind of ever since the, the season ended. And you could see it at the end of the regular season, the last three, four games. You know, you've got a chance to see Shalik in the game a lot more. Sure, the ball wasn't really coming his way. It wasn't, you know, it was just very sporadic. But you saw him trying to get involved more. Um, you know, Maryland will have to replace Deshaun Jones next year. Obviously, Ty Felton, Caden Prather, both those guys are still expected to come back, even with the new two-time transfer rule. Caden Prather, I wouldn't wouldn't worry about that right now um so again you know i, I think you know octavian smith he's another guy where we've seen flashes uh, he had the, the touchdown obviously against nc state last year in the bowl game had i think it was a 31 yard touchdown off the screen pass against michigan state um but you know we've only seen flashes of him and brain wazowski like you mentioned um he's taken over in the return game but you know what 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 can he do now in the receiving game so i think i think a lot of these guys will, will kind of be able to step up you know Dylan Wade in the tight end room. Um, you know, I, I would even throw Preston Howard in there. I think, you know, I know Preston started 10 games, and I think fans started to see it at the spring game. You know, just a very fluid athlete who, had, when he enrolled, it was never, you know, a question of how good he was going to be. It was about learning the intricacies of the position and just kind of acclimating himself within that new role. Obviously, he was a guy who used to play tight end, you know, youth level, but when he went to McDonough, switched to that quarterback role. But um, so, again, you know, I think – He's kind of started to come on a little bit this year, but I think, you know, with Corey Dyke just gone, you know, he's going to be that primary receiving threat in that tight end room next year. Dylan Wade has kind of been the the lone man standing right now, um, and he's kind of that priority number two uh, behind um, behind Howard right there. So I'm I'm also pretty excited to see uh, what both those guys do. Um, yeah, I think it should be pretty good. I will be interested to see just how the offensive line um, how those rotations goes, because uh, uh, to be honest, I don't know how I have a feel for how that's going to go. Um, but, you know, Loxley, we've seen it in years through this season, um, a lot of changes, even mid mid drive, things like that. So um, in, a, in an effort, uh, you know, having to replace uh, all five starters now um, for 2024, it'll be interesting to see how the bowl game is utilized to help bring some of these younger guys along. Yeah, the biggest one for me is do we see Walker at center? Do we see any any reps from him? You know, does a guy like, you know, does a Chris Love get any time from Maryland? Does does any of these guys that are kind of that they've pulled out that we maybe haven't seen really at all? You know, Andre Roy would have been the main focus if, if it looked like he was going to go at this point. It does not. So he would have obviously been at that tackle spot, you know, position for a starting role next year. But there's so many guys that I think the fans have been clamoring for for Doomerville being, you know, the main one there that we haven't seen really at all this season that, that you may, that you may see Ahmed Terps six and a half, six and a half point underdog going into the game. Uh, let's start off though with some breakout players. Who are your breakout guys from Maryland in the game? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned it, right. Right. You know, the Shalik Knotts, I think that's kind of the main, main guy I'm kind of looking for on offense. You know, Dylan Wade is another guy I like there. Um, but on the defense side of the ball, you look at kind of cornerback room, um, Lionel Whitaker, I think we were able to see some flashes with him. I think, you know, he, he's had some spurts this year, but I think he was able to flash a lot as a true freshman, but as you look at against a large sample size. And then again, Perry Fisher, uh, a guy who played defensive back in high school, but primarily was a, a quarterback assigned as a wide receiver uh, and then moved to corner. Um, the the athleticism, the intangibles were always there. And there was something that 
they really liked about him was just his experience as a quarterback would kind of give him a different um, IQ, different understanding, different uh, defensive mentality um, as a DV now. So it was all like, very similar to what Preston Howard in that year, year one, where it was about just kind of learning the position and kind of getting acclimated uh, to, to what's kind of expected in that role. Much can be said to the same about Perry Fisher. So I think he's going to be a guy where it's going to be interesting to see um, how, how he looks. Uh, but I, I, I like him. I like his upside as well. And I think we see a lot of him as well. Yeah, my guys on that side, uh, Dylan Wade was going to be my pick, but I'll take uh, I'll take Zizmanski as my pick. I think that I wouldn't be surprised somehow if he catches like a one-yard touchdown pass in this game. Maybe that's Shane Greeley play. I was going to pick uh, Greeley as my guy, but this will be his last game for Maryland. I think that he gets in the end zone somehow uh, in this game one last time. I would not be surprised at all if the Terps pull out that play. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Perry Fisher's been my guy. So obviously we picked the same guys because we do the show together. But I'll, I will go ahead and I think Dylan Gooden's going to get some run in this game off the edge. I think that, that this is the kind of game where a guy that's kind of struggled a little bit, I know we've talked about on this show, to like get get fully acclimated to the speed of college football and, and to where he needs to be weight-wise. And obviously he's going to be a guy that I feel like will contribute to the program in the long term. But this is the kind of game where Locks is going to want to get a lot of guys, you know, get their feet wet. You know, this is what big-time college football is like. This is what an SEC opponent's like. So, uh, those are my guys for it. Ahmed, game pick. Uh, I already mentioned it. Maryland, uh, six and a half point underdog. Not many player props out there. Actually, no Maryland receiving player props on DraftKings as of this morning. Yeah, I was a little bit surprising. Uh, I'm going to go Maryland with the points. Um, I'm, I'm not confident that Auburn's going to, again, I, I just, I think Maryland's still explosive enough, even with, you know, two, two young quarterbacks or two a little bit more inexperienced quarterbacks in Talia, obviously. Um, I think Merrill has enough of these skill players to be able to find find the end zone, be able to find something. Um, so I think I think they'll be able to keep it. Um, and we'll see. I, I, I'm not, I haven't decided on the over-under yet, but I'm not sure it's uh, it's a lock either way just yet. Yeah, that number is at 47 and a half for this game. Terps uh, 210 on the money line uh, as well. Auburn uh, 258 on the money line as the favorite in this game. I also like the Terps. Uh, Give me the points. I'll take the under. I see it somewhere in that like 23-17, sort of game. I really – I think Maryland's defense is a really, really good matchup in this game for what Auburn's been able to do trying to run the ball. If you just look at what Maryland was able to do uh, against the run at points this season, there isn't a Blake Corum-type player on the Auburn side, in my opinion. There's definitely not an offensive line like a Michigan or Ohio State offensive line that's going to wear you down. I think the Terps, you start to see those guys, that front seven – uh, starting to look real good for next year. They probably still want to jump in the portal, maybe add an edge piece to it. But I really like what the Terps have uh, on the front seven going into next year. And and look, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the new faces, a different quarterback. I think that this is just going to be a really, really good performance. And look, you always got to look at it this way, too. It means a lot to guys that are on Maryland to beat a team like Auburn, to beat an SEC opponent. That means a lot to this fan base. I'm not sure the same uh, goes on the other side, playing a team that's won a national championship in the last 15 years. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. You know, I think when you talk about the young players again, you know, I know we talked about a couple of them. I think, you know, do more. I think um, it'll be kind of interesting to see and just kind of have, have a fair in the bigger roles. You know, Daniel Wingate, Mike Harris, I think with those guys, um, it's kind of interested to see just kind of how they fare. And and and, and again, you know, like you said, you know, just, just kind of be able to wrap up um, the, the the 2023 season and, and kind of be able to get a lot of these young guys. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, kind of, 
said it'll be weird to see and i kind of acknowledge that you know Deshaun jones panage gote you know six years is still uh this, this will be it for them but uh, after thursday's practice they are their practice career is officially in the rearview mirror so uh one o'clock nashville time to 2 p.m eastern uh we shall see how they fare yeah ahmed will have all the coverage on inside the black and gold live from nashville and the music city bowl we'll be back here on the podcast as always to break it down and then more fully into basketball season on this side with a huge game coming into College Park on Tuesday night when the number one team in the country, uh, the Purdue Boilermakers, take on the Tarps. Yeah, it'll be interesting, obviously, coming off a 22-point win against Coppin State last night without Jameer Young. Um, I think that was a pretty pretty big storyline there. The opportunity for Julian Reese to kind of bounce back there. Um, but whether Juju – or excuse me, whether uh, Jameer is available for Purdue will be uh, a very big storyline, obviously, him battling back from the flu there. So – um, yeah, chance for, for Maryland to really right the ship and kind of cement some of this positive momentum that a lot of fans are starting to see, but waiting to see whether, you know, fully materializes yet. So uh, January 2nd, stay tuned. Yeah, we'll have all the coverage here on the podcast. Make sure to like this podcast where you get it, subscribe to it where you can. Make sure to subscribe to InsideTheBlackAndGold.net for all of your Maryland coverage. And as always, Happy New Year. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.